Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 55. The Bible says in verse 4, Psalm 55 verse 4, My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for them would I fly away and be at rest. You ever felt that way? Just want to get away from it all and be at rest. I want to talk to you today. I call this an overwhelming message. But it's really about being overwhelmed. Recently, I preached a message in my church simply entitled, Overtaken by the World's Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that there's the Spirit of man, the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of this world. So there's at least three different kinds of spirits. Even though the Bible says in Ephesians 4 there's one spirit, 1 John says try the spirits. And so the Spirit of man, the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of this world. In the Bible, uh, God uh, defines that word spirit in many different ways. There are people who are, the Bible says, troubled in spirit. And then proud in spirit. People who have a haughty spirit. People who have a humble spirit. Some people, the Bible says, has a wounded spirit. And others have a broken spirit. And then there are a lot of others, not to mention a spirit of bitterness. Or a spirit of anger. Or a hateful spirit. If you've been around independent Baptists very long, you know some of them have a hateful spirit. And then there is that spirit that is a spirit of oppression. People who are oppressed. We saw a lot of that in 2020. And then it goes beyond an oppressed spirit to a depressed spirit. Some people are depressed. Jesus looked at the disciples one time and He said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. He said, You've got a spirit, and He didn't like it, but you don't even know where it came from. Is it possible you could have a bad spirit and not even really be aware of it? Or an overwhelmed spirit or a wounded spirit? I've preached many times, as all preachers have, from Romans 12. Uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know the passage, and it goes on and says this, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. So when the Bible says we're not supposed to be conformed to this world, as preachers we often preach on, you ought not to dress like this world. You ought not to listen to the world's music. You ought not to watch the world's movies. But if you'll study Romans 12, I'll tell you what he's really talking about. He's talking about the spirit of this world. Because he talks about being renewed in your mind. And the very next verse talks about people who think more highly of themselves than they ought to. So it's very possible when the Bible says, Be not conformed to this world, it's talking about not having the spirit of this world. I recently used an illustration in our church on hospitality. Now we used to talk about southern hospitality. Did you know hospitality is a... It's one of the qualifications of a pastor. A bishop is supposed to be given... To hospitality. He's supposed to be hospitable. When's the last time a missionary called a pastor and said, Can I come to your church? And the pastor said, No, your pastor's not hospitable. They make a lot out of being divorced. Don't they? I'm not being, I'm not, you can do what you want to with that, but that is one of the qualifications. So I started showing my church what's happened to American Christians. Um, The Bible says that Peter said, Use hospitality without grudging. That means without murmuring. Be, be hospitable with a good attitude. You ever been invited to somebody's house and when the woman opens the door, come on in! It's been a rough day, but we're glad you're here. 
You don't really enjoy that very much, do you? What kind of spirit is that? And so I believe the world has influenced God's people, even Southerners. And I believe it's influenced us to the point that we're more inward, we're more secluded, we're more isolated, we're more withdrawn, we're more impersonal, we might even be aloof or reclusive. We're just, we don't have the spirit that Southerners used to have saved or lost. Something has changed our spirits. I want to talk to you about being overwhelmed. I could call this beat down Baptists or at wit's end. You ever been to wit's end? I used to call it the Popeye sermon. I've had all I can stand because I can't stand no more. You ever been there? Here in this passage, we're going to talk today about being overwhelmed. It says in verse 5, fearfulness and trembling are come upon me. And horror hath overwhelmed me. Now, I hope you'll be patient with me. I'm going to try to preach this as short as I can. What a thing. You've already had great singing. Your mind's on that. You're going to go eat. Your mind's on that. And I've got to get you to think about this. And we're going to have an invitation. And we're going to ask God to help you today to get rid of some things that are distracting you and depressing you and oppressing you. And here, this word overwhelmed, it's used in a negative sense. Sometimes overwhelmed is a good thing. You ever had somebody be gracious to you and you're just overwhelmed? Uh, boy, they started singing that song that Brother Logan asked them to sing, and I just about got overwhelmed at the goodness and the grace of God. Sometimes overwhelmed is a good thing, like being elated or amazed at how good God is to us. But in this text, it's not positive. It means overpowered or crushed. You get overwhelmed with bills. You get overwhelmed with work. You get overwhelmed with children fussing and fighting and, and having problems in the home. You get overwhelmed with health issues, overwhelmed uh, with confusion at the church house. And, and the Bible says in the last days, perilous times are coming. And perilous means critical or dangerous or grave or risky or unstable. I mean, uh, we get overwhelmed when they say, Jif peanut butter is being taken off the shelf. And of course, it was real bad when you couldn't get toilet paper. I'm just going to tell you, it doesn't take much to overwhelm Americans. I believe when COVID hit, the number one problem was not the sickness, but they shut down the restaurants. People, people got a bad attitude about that stuff because we get easily overwhelmed. The Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will be failing them for fear. There'll be great distress in the land. It'll be the beginning of sorrows. Even unsaved people are now asking in 2022, what's this world coming to? What's going on? It's getting crazy, isn't it? Daniel said they'd be running to and fro. In the last days. Eating and drinking, Jesus said. Buying and selling. I mean, as bad as everything is, my son, I think, has 16 houses being built right now. Interest rates climbing. Everybody's still building. It's amazing how busy Americans can get. No matter what happens. Jesus said you got to be careful about your hearts being, listen, overcharged with surfeiting. That word means excessiveness. Especially in food and drink, by the way. He said, you've got to be careful about this excessiveness, the cares of this life, or it'll steal your heart. Your heart can only handle so much. And if you don't keep it fine-tuned and focused, you'll get overwhelmed. 
Surely if our eyes are open, we're seeing in our days the signs of perilous times. Drugs and suicides and bankruptcy and riots and looting in the streets, burning buildings down, school killings, church killings. It's a a scary time. A world of people overwhelmed, all kinds of addictions. Listen, whether we talk about sin or wickedness or immorality, whether we talk about disease or mental disorders or so-called disorders or technology or the demands of the job or financial stress or drug addiction or family problems or road rage, we are living in a country that is overwhelmed. It is alarming to me at how many teenagers act overwhelmed. Just beat down, frustrated, stressed, bitter. Come to church looking like they're ready to fight. Teenagers who've got it good. And we've all got it good, by the way. My heart grieves as I watch people, even in my church. And I'm blessed with one of the best churches. Listen, I, I tell everywhere I go, my folks are the best folks in America. But I look at people who are always underneath a load. They always look troubled. Can't get anywhere on time. Stressed. Tense. Even doing the right thing, but not enjoying it. You understand what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a people that are overwhelmed and living on medication. I'm going to tell you something. You can't medicate a bad spirit. You can mask it, but you can't medicate it. It's a spiritual problem, and you cannot medicate a spiritual problem. But America is trying their best. I want to talk to you today about the signs of being overwhelmed, the source of being overwhelmed, and then, if God will help us, the solution to being overwhelmed. Here in verse 4, 5, and 6, it's a spirit of fear. I'm talking about the signs, the signs of being overwhelmed, trembling, horror. He says, I just want to fly away. I want to get away from it all. Listen, I, don't, I hope you don't misunderstand my heart. I'm all for you having a good time. Man, your song leader was down in Carthage the other day. He was out in a place you can't find from here. I mean, it's hard to get there from here. And I was happy for him. But I'm going to tell you something I'm hearing all the time. Is, Preacher, we just got to get away. About every other week. Man, I remember growing up and people were excited if they got one week's of vacation. And man, when they've been working there for 30 years, they got a second week. And I'm telling you, I'm hearing people all the time saying, we're just, we just got to get away. From what? You got a nice home. You got a nice car. You got a good church. You got it good. And you want to go to Disneyland? You want to go to Six Flags? And then all these people say, I want to get away from it all. And they take it all with them. They got a $300,000 RV with a big screen. And say, we just want to get away from it all. Take your Bible and turn to Psalm 61. Psalm 61. There is a spirit of heaviness in our country. And it's in God's people. And it's, I'm worried about God's people. It's, I call it emotional fatigue. And it's obvious. You can see it on people. Here, we're looking at the signs. Look at Psalm 60, uh, Psalm 61, verse 1. Psalm 61, verse 1. Oh God, uh, thou hast cast... I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong place. Verse 1. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. 
Uh, this, this, is, this is a psalmist who's saying, Attend unto my prayer from the end of the earth. You know who this is? This is David dealing with one problem after another. This is David. You know, he killed a giant, but the giants kept coming. You ever feel that way? Well, I preached a sermon in my church one time. The giants keep coming. And you know what David says? It looks like the you just study all the surrounding chapters in Psalm 61. And what he's saying is the bad guys are winning and the good guys are losing. Everywhere I turn, it doesn't look fair. I'm fighting a losing battle. You ever feel like the devil's crowd gets the best of the deal? You ever read the book of Habakkuk? That was his bitter cry. It was, Lord, why do the righteous suffer? Why do the wicked prosper? Looks like to me in America, the leftist liberal lunatics are winning over. Doesn't it? I'm just being honest with you. You ever feel like sometimes doing right's not worth it? That's the way David feels at times. And he's a man after God's own heart. And he cries and says, Oh, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Look at Psalm 77. Psalm 77. Look at verse 1. See if you've ever been there. This is the signs or the symptoms of being overwhelmed in 77.1. He says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and He gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. He said, man, I can't sleep at night. I can't even talk about it, and I can find no comfort. He, the Bible says here, he refused to be comforted at the end of verse 2. You ever been there? Somebody shows up and they got a good attitude and it makes you mad. What are you so happy about? You ever been there? You ever been, you ever been in such a bad way that anybody that was happy frustrated you? <laughs> and you think they've got a problem. You think they're stupid or they wouldn't be so happy. Ignorance is bliss. What are you so happy about? You must not know what I know or you'd be as ill as I am. You'd be as bitter as I am. You'd be as sad as I am. And what happens is he can't sleep, he can't speak, he can't talk about it. He's murmuring and complaining and he admits it because he feels justified. That's the way we get sometimes. Look at Psalm 142. Psalm 142. In Psalm 142, look at verse 1. Psalm 142. We're looking at the signs of being overwhelmed. We'll read this whole chapter real quick. Psalm 142. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before Him. I showed before Him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me. Then thou knewest my path in the way wherein I walked. Have they privily laid a snare for me? I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. Listen, no man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Here he is complaining of all of his trouble. He felt like he was all alone. And he says in verse 4, Nobody cared for my soul. Now listen, that's his complaint, but I doubt if it's true. When you read your Bible, understand you're reading the words of a man that's crying out to God and he said, Nobody cares about me. 
Sounds like a 13-year-old. Nobody loves me. Nobody pays attention. Nobody cares about me. They never call on me. Ever been there? And he feels like he's in prison in this passage. He's, he's trapped. He's, he's, the world's moving in around him. Isn't that what he says? Bring my soul out of prison. So he's complaining. And he feels like he's being left out and all alone. And nobody cares. And he's overwhelmed. Look at Psalm 143. Psalm 143. Look at verse 2. Psalm 143, verse 2. And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. He says, I feel hopeless. There's, it, it's like a, there's just no way to get right. Did y'all see that? In thy sight shall no man living be justified. That's not true. I am justified. Because of what Jesus Christ did for me, I am justified. Listen, I'm, I'm wore out. I'm wore out with Christians walking around saying things that aren't true. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's all you are? I thought you were a child of the King. I thought you were joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I thought He was your brother according to Hebrews. I thought you were washed and cleansed in Christ. And and I thought that you were justified and sanctified. And I thought you were on your way to heaven. And you're just a sinner saved by grace. I think you're a whole lot more than that. If you read your Bible... So it feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. So as we read these Psalms, what are the signs of being overwhelmed? Fear, trembling, sorrow, no comfort, want to get away from it all, just want to be left alone, can't sleep, can't talk about it, get upset when somebody's happy shows up, complaining, nobody cares attitude, you feel trapped, you feel hopeless, and no light at the end of the tunnel. Anybody here overwhelmed? A few weeks ago, and I had, y'all can laugh at me if you want to, I don't know how many preachers had come through my church and they'd always mention a guy named Eeyore. Does anybody know who Eeyore is? Raise your hands if you know who Eeyore is. Thank you. I didn't. I didn't know who he was. And after a while, every time somebody mentioned Eeyore, my people would laugh and I'm thinking, who's Eeyore? But they always talked about Eeyore because Eeyore is gloomy. I found that out. It's pretty bad when you've got to go to the dictionary to find out who Eeyore is. And the dictionary said he was a gloomy misanthrope. M-I-S-A-N-T-H-R-O-P-E. Does anybody know what that is? Well, now I feel better. I didn't either. It says he dislikes humans, he's a Scrooge, and he's pessimistic. Is that true? Yeah. I looked up some of his favorite quotes, his famous quotes. It's not much of a tale, but I'm sort of attached to it. They said his number one favorite quote was, Good morning, Pooh, if it is a good morning, which I doubt. <laughs> it didn't take me five minutes to realize Eeyore's a Baptist! <laughs> and better an independent King James Baptist! 
Here's what the encyclopedia, listen to what it said about Eeyore. Eeyore is a glum, sarcastic, and pessimistic. He has trouble getting himself organized. When he does try to do something, it usually is a half-hearted attempt. He is slow-talking and more cautious than some of the others and is often often reluctant to go along with their actions, but usually does not bother trying to oppose anyone because he believes it would be futile to try. Are y'all getting this? I'm preaching to you. It goes on to say, this isn't an encyclopedia. He feels like he really understands everyone else, but he feels isolated because nobody understands him. And because he feels it is fitting that he feels the way he does, no amount of help from his friends will cheer him up because he chooses to feel the way he feels. Right, that's good stuff. You, you say, why did I feel this way? You chose to. At the end of it, I love this. It said, to motivate Eeyores. Boy, now my attention perked up. Because now i gotta go to, I got some Eeyores. Now it's going to tell me how to motivate Eeyore. Allow them to voice their concerns and acknowledge them, but then gently explain why you are taking a different approach and the benefits of doing so. Keep them away from other Eeyores. <laughs> so, so while I'm reading about Eeyore, I saw this guy named Piglet. And it said he was timid. And then there's this owl. He's pontificating. What's that mean? He expresses one's opinions in a way considered annoyingly pompous. I've met those guys. There's Rabbit. He's meddlesome. He spends all his time on Facebook. And then there's Tigger. He's outgoing and cheerful but overestimates his own abilities. After looking up the encyclopedia, I thought, man, I'm going to preach a whole series of sermons on Winnie the Baptist. Eeyore. A lot of people feel like Eeyore. A lot of people are overwhelmed in our, in our circles. Moms who are always exhausted, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Wives who feel like the entire world's on their shoulders because their husband doesn't get it. Dads who feel desperation because of job and bills. Children who feel like they live in a hypocritical home. Because mom and dad act one way down at the church house and completely different at their house. Would you take your Bible and turn to Numbers chapter 11? Numbers chapter 11. I really am trying to get through this without abusing your grace. I want to help you. I got a feeling there's some overwhelmed folks in here right now. I want to tell you something. Even work is not supposed to overwhelm you. You ought to enjoy getting up and going to work. Listen, if every single day you got to face something you hate, I'd find something else. I'd rather enjoy $10 an hour as to be miserable over 30 an hour. God did not make you to be miserable. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 11, I just thought I'd remind you that you're not the only person that's ever been there. You're not the only person that's ever been overwhelmed. 
The Bible says in Numbers chapter 11, verse 10, and, uh, Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses was also, also was displeased. They're murmuring. Verse 11, And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight? Thou, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me. Have I conceived all this people? Now Moses is telling God how he feels. He feels overwhelmed. He said, Have I begotten them that thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father, bareth a sucking child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers? When should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone. It's too heavy for me. If thou deal thus with me, kill me right now. Yeah. Moses said, I just wish you'd kill me if this is my lot in life. I don't want to pastor these people. <laughs> He's suicidal. Moses felt overwhelmed. You remember when Elijah said the same thing? Elijah got out there under his juniper tree. It's enough, he said. I've had it. You ever met people walk around with a juniper tree? They carry theirs with them. You say, how you doing? And 30 minutes later, you wish you hadn't asked them. Elijah... It said, it's enough. Job said, my soul chooses strangling and death rather than my life. Jonah said, it's better for me to die than to live. You're not alone. A lot of people get there. Take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Let me see if I can give you the source or the cause of being overwhelmed. Luke chapter 10 verse 38. Now remember, we're talking about overwhelmed in the sense of overpowered and crushed and beat down and oppressed and even depressed. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, you're so familiar with these stories. This is nothing new. The Bible says in verse 38, Luke chapter 10, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was what? Cumbered about much serving. And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? That's not a good way to start a sentence with Jesus Christ. (laughs) If anybody ever cared, he cared. David or the psalmist can say, no man cared for my soul, but he could never say that God didn't care for my soul. And she says, after being so cumbered and beat down and frustrated, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Then she gives him the order. Bid her. Therefore, that she helped me. I wish I could preach on this. I I can't. Jesus answered and said to her, You don't want Jesus to call your name twice. Check the times out in the Bible where he did it. Martha, Martha. Thou art... This means full of care. Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, only one. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Here's that crowd of Marthas, forever underneath a load, stressed out, frustrated, can't sit still, snapping at everybody around them, and doesn't even enjoy what they're doing for the Lord. Martha is frustrated. 
Mary is focused. Martha is talking. Mary is listening. Martha is stressed while Mary is blessed. Martha is performing while Mary is worshiping. Martha's troubled. Mary's peaceful. Martha is consumed with Mary. Mary is consumed with Jesus. Martha stews to the Savior's face. Mary sits at the Savior's feet. Martha is murmuring. Mary is studying to be quiet. Quiet. Martha has a mean and quivering spirit. Mary has a meek and quiet spirit. Martha is scolded. Mary is commended. Surely there's much to learn from Mary in this story. What is the source of the problem? What leads to being overwhelmed? It's simple. Losing focus. It's not complicated. We lose focus of what really does matter. We get too busy in the non-essentials. We have too many irons in the fire. We're busy doing things that don't accomplish anything. We get busy looking at the storms instead of the master of the sea. We have worldly materialistic goals that keep us occupied. And the Bible calls it the cares of this life. The lovers of pleasure, the deceitfulness of riches, the affairs of this life entangle us and we lose focus. It might be CNN or Fox. It might be talk radio. And by the way, usually if you listen to anybody who listens to talk radio, you can tell it by their spirit. 25 years ago, a man put me on to Rush Limbaugh. And after about two or three weeks, I thought, man, I've got to quit listening to this. I stay angry all the time. Honestly. I could go on about all of the affairs of this life. But listen, it all works together to choke out the Word. And it's the Word that builds our faith. And it then leads to a time where we lose balance, we lose perspective, we lose direction, we lose focus, then we lose our peace, and then we lose our joy, and we're overwhelmed. And we bring it upon ourselves. But we all feel justified and blame everybody and everything. And we're the ones that let it happen. We are to blame. I face some dark clouds in my life. We all do. And sometimes, I want to say this because I don't want you to misunderstand this message. Sometimes being overwhelmed is not your fault. I want to make sure you know that I know that. Sometimes it is our fault. But sometimes there's just a spiritual tsunami that comes into our lives. And we have to deal with it. I visited yesterday a man who's a reti- he's, he's a, who's 24 years in the Army. He was in Iraq. Twice was, was blown up in an explosion. Flipped his Jeep. He's been injured so many times it's unbelievable. He, he could tell you stories that'll, that'll make you tremble at what he's been through. And I left there saying, Lord, I sure wished I had his spirit. I'm talking about a smile on his face, ready to meet Jesus, dying of cancer. And seemingly got more peace than people sitting on a pew with everything going their way. 
Missionaries are now leaving the field like never before. Pastors forsaking the book. Teenagers turning from God. Husbands cheating on their wives. Passive fathers failing their children. Women preoccupied with everything except motherhood. But I think of Joseph. You reckon Joseph had a right to be overwhelmed? I dare you to tell me what he did wrong. I can't find it. It's very difficult to find where Joseph did something wrong. But he could have been overwhelmed. You reckon Hannah, when she goes over there to pray in the temple, could have been overwhelmed? Boy, she was treated unfairly. How about Paul, John Mark, Barnabas, and that story? And yet all of that, when you read about these people... Let me just put it to you this way so I can get to the point I want to get to. Sometimes the only reason we're overwhelmed is one word, life. It's just life. Don't blame anybody. Don't get bitter at anybody. It's just life. I, I, I got out of my truck this morning, and there was Brother Ted and Miss Lynn, and I thought, glory to God, every time I see them, they're a breath of fresh air. I'm telling you, that man, what he's been through, and he just keeps on keeping on. That helps me. I, got, I know preachers in their 30s wanting to quit. Because somebody didn't speak to them in the foyer. I'm just telling you, sometimes it's just life. But let's quickly get to the solution. Would you go back to the Psalms? Psalm 143. Psalm 143. And, and really, I'm going to cut some of this out. I can, I can summarize it really in this one psalm. I could show you this in almost all of the psalms that there's complaining going on. Where, every, did you remember all those psalms? I used the word overwhelmed. Y'all saw it, right? And every time we stopped except for one place, we didn't read the entire chapter. And if you'll go through those psalms, you'll see what you see here in Psalm 143. This is the one I'm going to show you about the solution. You can see it in Psalm 77. You can see it in the other psalms. But here in Psalm 143, look at verse 4. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. Now look what happens next. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work. Of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth for thee as a thirsty land. Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto, the, unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will. For thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. First of all, you find silence in verse 5. You find him seeking in verse 6. You find him serious in verse 7. And you find a total surrender in verse 8 and 9 and 10. I'm telling you. He's overwhelmed, and then he gets to thinking about the goodness of God. And he gets to thinking about when he had some songs in the night. He begins to think about when God met him in those dark places. And all of a sudden, he goes from being overwhelmed to just praising the Lord and bragging on God and talking about how good God is. There is a solution. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. The Bible says over there in Habakkuk, those pagans are crying out to those false gods. And God interrupts it and says, Let all the earth keep silent before me. Right? 
You walk into my study in my house and at my church, and there's a sign over the window. It simply says from Psalm 46, Be still and know that I am God. There's so much I'd like to say, but I want to close this with an illustration. You know, I want to tell you this. God gave Adam a job. In a perfect environment, work. Work is not a four-letter word. (laughs) It's not a bad thing. You reckon God expected Adam to stay busy? He's got a job to do. But he's got time for a walk in the cool of the day. Right? Ruth, picture of the church. Boaz, picture of Christ. And she's out gleaning in the field. And she gathers a certain amount of barley. But the next chapter has her at the feet of Boaz all night long. And she gets up and takes another amount. And can I tell you what I found out when I read the book of Ruth and studied it closely? She got more laying at his feet than working in his field. They sung a song a little while ago about rest. Coming to me and I will give you rest. Years ago, I kept a journal. I don't keep one anymore. Both my daughters got married. My life ended, so I don't keep a journal anymore. (laughs) I wrote down one day, and I kept this on purpose. One day on a Thursday, I had 34 phone calls. Now, that's not the norm. But on Friday night, I was supposed to preach in Kentucky and leave for New York on Sunday to preach in New York. And I was getting those phone calls, and in the middle of all that, one of the best ladies in my church found out she was going to have to have surgery and might not make it through. And I was getting overwhelmed. I even called two or three pastors and told them my situation, and said, I'm struggling with what to do. Do I cancel these meetings? What do I do? And I could give you a whole list of stuff that was going on that day. The Lord worked all of it out, but I just was feeling overwhelmed on Saturday morning. And I told my wife, I said, I I just feel this weight. And my little daughter Amy, at that time, I'm guessing she would have been about five or six. She came up to me and she said, Daddy, can we go pick buttercups? (laughs) Every year for over 20 years in the springtime, if you drive the end of my road and turn right and drive to the end of that road, there's a river. It's the Cumberland River. When you, when you drive to the end of that road, you run into the river if you don't stop. There's nothing to stop you. There used to be a ferry there. The ferry's not there anymore. And growing on the banks of the Cumberland River are these fields of buttercups. And every year I would take Kelly and Amy, my daughters, and we would drive down, go down to that river, and we'd skip rocks. Y'all remember skipping rocks? And we'd skip them as who could skip the most. And we'd pick enough buttercups, a lot more than that, take them home to Mama. And the girls were so excited. Well, when we get in the truck to go down to the river, it's about a 10 or 12 minute drive. And we just sing. And if I don't sing, my girls say, Daddy, sing. I can't sing. So we sung and sung and we'd sing songs that you will never hear me sing. Like in 1814, we took a little trip along with Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. And we'd sing, uh, let me tell you all a story about a man named Jed. 
And then we'd sing some other songs, and usually before it was over, it ended up with there's just something about that name or whatever. And from my house to that river with the windows down and the girls at the top of their lungs singing and me singing with them, it was a joyous 10 to 12 minute ride. And then for 15 or 20 minutes picking buttercups, and on this day, I'm overwhelmed, I'm beat down, I'm Popeye the Baptist. And Amy says, can we go pick buttercups? And in my heart, I'm thinking, no. But I looked at that face, and I couldn't say no. And we drove down that road, and for the next hour, we were singing and praising God. And I'm looking at my little girls, and they're running across them fields grabbing them buttercups. And we put them in a rubber band and cut them off with scissors and take them home to Mama. And for an hour, I went from being overwhelmed by the problems of this world to overwhelmed with the grace of God. I'm going to tell you something. There's still buttercups for the picking. And there's still open fields and there's still places you can take a walk in the cool of the day. And there's still places you can get alone and get your focus back and enjoy living for God.